0: Hey there, I'm Ian. And I'm Rachel. And we want to welcome you to our Building Contenders podcast. Here we share messages, sermons, and our weekly conversations to equip you to contend for the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy it. Blessings. Blessings. I want to jump in and just talk about apostles and prophets. And I realized just as I was doing some Sort of final prep earlier on this afternoon. We spent the morning in uh, what was the the Anaheim Vineyard. It's now the dwelling place, and it's sort of like the mecca for all us charismatics, right? Without John Wimber being there, there would be no Toronto, no um, Catch the Fire, right? There'd be no Bethel, there'd be no Heidi Baker, there'd be no Randy Clark, all of that. Without sort of Wimber, sort of stuck in those fires of revival. So it was just really impressive to be in somewhere that was built at the hand of an apostolic father like Wimber. Um, <clears throat> but then coming back and realizing, like even when I use the word apostolic, I feel like I'm gonna have to explain myself because we don't really have a working definition of all these things just at the minute. I mean, I think I, I have some idea. Um, in, in my book about the fivefold, I, I write at the back of it that some people think that apostles are like sasquatches like bigfoot you know some people believe in them some people don't believe in them some people think they've seen a grainy photograph of one at some point uh, but we're not really sure what it is their purpose would be we're not really sure you know what they do what they look like and all that and there's generally um, a lot of bad information out there and and it's kind of like that because it's only over the last 50 years ago certainly our little niche of the church has recognized uh the apostle gifting again i mean i think within historical christianity it has always been there through bishops and you know you know the pope himself is still the bishop of rome and you know has all these connections but i'm not going to get into the church government piece um, all that to say that this is part of the reason I feel it's so absolutely important. That one of the things that apostles and prophets do is they build a foundation. And one of the things that foundations do is they give you limits. Now, that, that can be hard to, to stomach if you're going to say, hey, you're don't put limits on me. You know, don't you dare, I'm limitless. Yeah, I I think we need some boundaries at the minute. I think the loss of that foundational piece in the church has created a bunch of chaos. That it feels at the minute you can believe whatever you want, whatever you want. There's no boundary to it, right? You can say whatever you want on these comments. Like, trust me, we have to delete some people um, because there's they're boundaryless, right? There's these things that are unkind, that are not patient, that are not loving all for the sake of whatever whatever it is. But there's no boundary, no limit to, where, to what it is we can say to people. We can believe what we want. We can um, say what we want. And it turns out we can even behave whatever way we want, right? We can just behave whatever way we want without any boundaries. And Jesus will overlook it because that's what grace does. And, and one of the things foundations does is it actually tells people, no, no, you can't go beyond that so i think I think it's fascinating. Try, I'm trying not to tell you everything that 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 I think I know. Um, but the, this this kind of I think I think reestablishing boundaries is really important. Um, but then we bring, a, you know, and that's when apostles and prophets are working together. That's why it's absolutely critical that we're hearing from God and that we have the courage to actually enforce the covenantal boundaries of of grace. I mean, prophets are not just people that are gifted in the in the gift of prophecy. That's people that are gifted in the gift of prophecy. You know, Paul himself said, I wish you would prophesy. I wish everybody would prophesy. I wish you would all prophesy, right? I, I wish you would all prophesy. And this was right after he had talked about love but, and then going on to say, like, love is the most important thing. But I wish you would all prophesy. Um, but just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. So what is a prophet? Is a prophet the same as a prophet in the Old Testament? Is a New Testament prophet the same as an Old Testament prophet? Well, clearly not, because, because Scripture says that the law and the prophets were until John. So that doesn't mean that there are no prophets. It just means there was a change of emphasis. And and instead of, like, you know, calling judgment and all that kind of stuff, it was it's about calling blessing and calling grace and calling mercy. If I take the definition of prophet, for example, as being an enforcer of the covenant, like prophets enforce the covenant of God, right? They're enforcers. And what you've got in the Old Testament is you've got prophets enforcing the covenant that if you stray and go to other gods, there will be judgment, that God will pour out his judgment upon you because you've been warned. And that's what you get time and time again in the Old Testament when prophets are standing up and saying, "Um, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. And if you keep doing that, that's not going to be good. But then you've got in the New Testament, you've got these new breed of prophets who are enforcers. I mean, think about that. Enforcing a covenant of grace and love and mercy and victory. Like these prophets should be enforcing the covenant of grace and love and mercy, not casting California into the sea because there are sinners here. That's not, like, sinners has never thrown God off. It's about enforcing the covenant, this new covenant, this better covenant that says Jesus paid for it all. He won an absolute victory and paraded the enemy naked through the streets after after his death on the cross. I mean, you got to go, you got to read, you know, isn't it, I think it's Peter that talks about Jesus preaching in hell on on the Saturday. You know, on day two he was he was crucified and then actually went went to Hades and 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 preached there. You know, that was that was probably quite a message. And you can guarantee it wasn't a message of salvation. It wasn't a message of you know a come to Jesus moment. It was a message of this is what I've just done. I have conquered. Right. So this this is what we're looking for. We're looking for these. New covenant prophets to align and run with new covenant apostles, and it's interesting the whole apostle thing. And this is where I have to try to not tell you everything uh, because we have limited time, and you'd all get really bored. But but the word apostle isn't something I've heard it. Uh, I've heard it said that you know the word apostle was was a borrowed term from secular government. That may be true. I've just never. Uh, been able to really find a lot of data on that. and But but what I do know is that apostles were part of the Sanhedrin. They were part of of these Jewish rulers um, that would have some provincial small city uh, Sanhedrin, small Sanhedrins, and then they would have the full Jerusalem Sanhedrin. And these apostles were part of the Jerusalem Sanhedrin just under the rank of the patriarchs. And these, these apostles, so when Jesus are calling these 14, 15-year-old young men uh to be apostles they would have recognized that they're going to actually make judgments on scripture they're going to actually bring some judgment and this is what I think scripture scripture means and the other part of the job was that they were the tax collectors they actually collected the temple tax so these young guys that's that's why they were sent out they were sent out in the tradition of the temple tax collectors where they're sent out in twos if you remember that piece I think it's in Luke where they're sent out in twos and they're told that they um they they can't take anything with them and you know freely you've received freely freely give all that piece was part of jewish tradition it's got nothing to do with charging for conferences um but that was part of jewish tradition is that the tax collectors for the when when they were collecting the temple tax that's how they would be sent out they weren't allowed to carry anything just so that they wouldn't be accused of stealing or say no no that was my rolex that was my i had that rolex this is not a rolex just to be clear but so so they wouldn't do that you know um and that's kind of how they were sent out and and and, and that model was also based on this rabbinical model this rabbinical model that you were supposed to close be close to your rabbi and i don't know if you know this but there isn't actually one jewish like one jewish teaching or one jewish faith um you know even to this day there's not what what there is there's a bunch there's there's scripture there's torah and there's interpretations of that but basically what you do is you follow in the dust of your rabbi you follow the teachings of a rabbi which is you know which was called a yoke in jesus's time which is when jesus says you know come unto me all you who labor and a heavy burden and i will give you rest for my yoke is easy so it was called their yoke it was the weight of their teaching that they would do it and the idea is that you would be strapped together with your rabbi and, and this was part, like the apostle thing has been part of a progressive revelation, I think, of what it looks like uh, to be a disciple and what it looks like to disciple people. That, that's why I think apostling is so important. It's It's the missing piece of discipleship. It's, you know, I think evangelists love the disciple people, but I think it's the, it's the follow me. It's imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like I think Paul says that six or seven times throughout the New Testament. I want you to do what I'm doing. And that was this rabbinical tradition. And the rabbinical tradition was you picked a, you picked an a, a, a rabbi that you really enjoyed and you followed after that rabbi. And that cost you time, money, energy, all of those kind of things and also incredibly vulnerable for the for the rabbis and incredibly vulnerable for apostles and and what you got is you got you got again the you know i think it's luke who tells us in the book of acts that they continued steadfastly and he tells us what it is but he says that in the apostles doctrine now, we don't know what the apostles doctrine was or is we we've no clue what it was or is what we know is that based on that tradition that you're gonna follow after someone who actually speaks to your heart. You're gonna be able to follow someone who's who's speaking your language, your tribe, if you want. In, in Irish, we, we use the word clan for family. And, and clan doesn't mean the nuclear family. It means this sort of group of people that share um, a, a, a spiritual DNA but actually share this spiritual DNA with each other and they're going to run together and they're going to covenant together and all of that kind of stuff. So, so that's what we get to do. Apostles get to bring their teaching and their yoke and say, Hey, this, this is what I believe you. You don't have to believe that, but I'm inviting you to come and follow me like, come and follow me. That was Jesus's model. Jesus's model wasn't, you need to do this, you need to, he's like, I I want you to follow me, that the agency is actually on you. You get to decide how close you want to be. You get to decide whether you want to be part of this clan. You get to decide all of these things. And there wasn't this sort of like apostle model of someone walking into a church and saying, "Uh, I feel the Lord saying that I am now your apostle. That's not a biblical model. That's kind of, kind of a, abusive model um and i just thank god that we're you know that we're starting to see like thank god we are starting to see the variety of apostles and prophets emerge that what we've had is we've had like i don't know how many years 50 years of these mega apostles you know paul talks about super apostles he's doing it slightly tongue-in-cheek but uh, you know, our, our perception of apostles and prophets is that you need to be like some of the most valuable people to me. Like you need to be Bill Johnson and have, you know, 5,000 churches and be charging $50,000 to come and speak somewhere. And you need to be having this big movement behind you and you need to be pastor a church and you need to be doing this. And then the other thing is, if you're a prophet, then you need to be a little bit edgy. Nobody needs to like you that much. And it would be great if you were someone like Patricia King, who who everybody loves, I have to say. Um, and those are kind of the models we've had of apostles and prophets. And that's not the New Testament model. The New Testament model is whatever happened to Matthias, right? The New Testament model is like, what what about these prophets? Were they even named? Like a couple of them were, right? But but were, did people even know who they were? That it, and it's because it's not about. Some sort of false humility of like being nameless and faceless, and oh no, no, I'm just it's not about that. It's actually about there should be a proliferation of people with boundaries that they've set boundaries and are inviting people to follow them. That's kind of what we need. the word pastor appears once in the New Testament. The word apostle appears appears way more than that. but but here's here's the bit. It's the functioning together. So sometimes, so fivefold, right? The gifts of Jesus in, in Ephesians 4. You know, ascension gifts as they are known in historical Christianity because Jesus ascended, governs, and governs through these gifts. That, that's kind of how he governs. Not governing through presidents and um, kings and queens. He actually is governing on earth at a, at a very sort of, you know, Paul talks about it in in Corinthians twelve the unseemly parts of the body, and those unseemly parts of the body that get most honor, and those unseemly bar, parts of the body. And I'm I'm not I won't I if you go to our if you go to our school I'll go a little bit deeper into this, but um, it is those unseemly parts of the body. It's not that we're supposed to be number one. Or number two, you're always the ones grabbing the microphone, prophesying and preaching. Where's apostles are the one that are supposed to be, listen, if, if you think of this, apostles are supposed to be not afraid of getting into a fight. Apostles are built for war. So if you wonder, like the movements and churches that have actually survived over the last two and a half years during what we've been through, I'll guarantee somewhere, if you scratch hard enough, somewhere you'll find an apostle. Somewhere in there, you'll find someone has actually been able to hold people up during the fight, right? And you might even find a prophet who has kept people encouraged, has continued to pour courage into them. Because what, what we get is we get like people that are other gifted, right? Um, that maybe don't even have a fivefold gift or maybe are gifted somewhere from Romans 12. Say it, say it's a gift of teacher in Romans 12, not the fivefold teacher, but the Romans 12 teacher then what you get is you get that teacher not able to withstand the pressure. If they're the overseer of a church, they're not able to withstand the pressure of everything that comes. They, they just can't do it. In fact, what happens frequently is those with a Romans 12 teacher gift suppress the voice of the prophet and suppress the voice of the apostle, saying it's meaningless, we don't really need it, You know, it's not really mentioned that much, Um, Like what do they really do anyway? And all they're doing is building up people's expectations when we got to get into the nitty gritty of embracing unbelief. And you're sort of dumbing the whole gospel thing down for people. And that's what Romans 12 teachers do. Romans 12 teachers will be opposed to the prophetic and will be opposed to the provident and and the prophetic. And one of the reasons is they don't like gray. They just don't like gray areas. They, they like they like even embracing mystery and tension and um all of that kind of stuff they just don't like gray areas they don't like gray areas where you say this is what god said and it hasn't happened yet they don't like living in the tension of the now and the not uh, the now and the expected the now on the coming um so generally all of that kind of stuff but the, the churches that have su- have been sustained and strengthened have largely if you scratch have been the ones that have had someone with great courage. That's one of the marks of apostles. One of the other things about apostles is they don't quit. We simply don't know how to quit. And that can be a liability, which is when you need the voice of the prophet saying, thus saith the Lord, right? No, no, we, we got to pivot. We got to change tack. We got to make some alterations here. So important that they run together. I mean, it's so important that the other three of the fivefold are there as well, but so important that that they're actually going to run together. And of course, then, you know what 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 does that look like? I, I hear people telling me that apostles, you can't make yourself an apostle. Couldn't agree more. Right? You can't just decide you're an apostle. Couldn't couldn't agree more. And you can't just decide you're a prophet. Again. Could not agree more. But but I think you can actually ask for stuff. I think it's completely possible to say to God, hey, is there any chance in me getting this? And I also think there's a, there's a piece of it that um, just just because you have the grace doesn't mean to say you know what to do with it. If you think of the last 30, 40 years and the prophetic movement that's happened, and what we have is we have um, you know sisters and brothers that are out there, they're 67 years old, and they think the mark of a of a prophet is to continually be rejected by churches. That's not the mark of a prophet, right? You, you, get, you get that that's been sort of the model simply because the the style of the time, the emphasis of the time was you're you're a prophet, therefore you should know, right? And and it's just nonsense. It just doesn't. It doesn't even. It doesn't make any rational sense whatsoever that here you are, someone who's equipping the saints to minister, and you don't need equipped. It's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous, but we don't really know how to do it because there aren't apostles standing up and saying, hey, I want you to come, and you may not finish uh, with me. Like After you finish this school, you may not decide, hey, Ian's your guy. Totally okay, right? I planted, Apollos watered. God give the increase. But there is this bit that that the getting equipped to do something that you don't really know what to do is imp- really important. I can remember chatting with Danny Silk, and Danny has a video on our my our YouTube channel, and it's he's talking about the importance of apostles and the whole fathering and family piece, which we might get into here. Um, And, you know, I remember having a conversation with Danny and saying, hey, Bethel are doing School of Supernatural Ministry, that's great. Uh, They're doing School of the Prophets, they're doing an evangelism school, they're actually doing stuff for pastors on how to sort of get people to network in and be part of your church and be cared for, and you're doing sozo and all. This is great, What what about apostles? And he's like, yeah, we're not doing anything. You should do it in, you should do one. I'm like, okay. So five years five years ago, we started doing one. And I have certainly learned some stuff since then because I hope we're all learning and we, we, we know that we haven't arrived. Even the Apostle Paul says, not that I've arrived, right? So I, I hope we're all still learning. Um, but, but this notion of why they're so important, and Danny does speak to this a little bit, but I had this thought this week, and it's actually about the release of a culture of heaven it, it's the apostles, and and I think it's when the apostles and prophets are running together because Jesus is our chief apostle, right? Jesus is our chief apostle, and and yet he he says this. Let me let me read this out. Uh, he says this in Mark six. Um, Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And the many listeners were astonished, saying, where did this man learn these things? And what is this wisdom that has been given to him and such miracles as these performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? And are his sisters not here with us? And they took offense at him and jesus said to them a prophet is not dishonored except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household and he could do no miracle except there uh, he could do no miracle there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them and he was amazed at their unbelief you know you know that that, that word for unbelief is actually um it's the opposite of faith it's the word that's the op- it's opposite of faith um, it's like no faith. It's your faithlessness. You are actually faithless. And and what we've got here is Jesus pointing us in the direction to say the most important thing that you can do is have the opportunity to be offended. The most important thing that, that because this honor thing releases something from heaven, this honor will release uh, miracles from heaven. Right, The ceiling of the miraculous in our lives, in our churches, is the amount of honor we carry. And honor doesn't mean to say, you're a great guy, I want to give you a hundred bucks. That's not honor. Honor is when you have the opportunity to be offended and decide not to be and to honor the person anyway. That's when honor means something. It doesn't mean anything if, if it doesn't cost you anything. Like Covenant doesn't mean anything until it's tested. All of us that have been married more than six weeks should understand that. Covenant doesn't mean a thing until it's tested. The oaths and vows that I take mean nothing until they're tested. Honor is not honor if it's just deserved. And and and, and I, I just think that that's part of the reason why people resist apostles. You know, the, the, I'm, let me let me read something else. Let me read something else again from the Bible. This is Luke 14. Um, Now he began, this is Luke 14, verse 7. Now he began telling a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, whenever you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And the one who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then in disgrace you will proceed to occupy the last place. But whenever you're invited, go and take the last place. So what so that when the one has the one who has invited you comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are dining at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I, with everything I believe, with everything I am, I be- I, I believe. Revival is stopped because we don't know how to honor the man or woman of God at that moment. So God will always choose a man or woman to move on. And because we think, ah, they're not all that. Isn't that the carpenter? Isn't that that guy who's actually, you know, I mean, it's interesting in in the Mark piece. They don't say that he was Jude, that he was Joseph's son. They're actually saying that he was illegitimate. We don't know who his father was by referring to him as Mary's boy. And. You know, that, that you're introducing dishonor. You're not even just not honoring. You're introducing, actively introducing dishonor to the equation. And that will stop any move of God. That will stop any move of God. These are the miracles that Jesus could not do because dishonor was introduced. And I think one of the reasons that apostles and prophets are most important in this are is because they give people the opportunity to be offended. You're welcome. Right, they give people the opportunity to be offended and get over that offense and release miracles from heaven, release the culture from heaven. You understand that in the culture of heaven, people are not sitting around waiting to see. The, so the, the father speaks, and they're not sitting around waiting to see what other people think of it. You know, the father says, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do this in." throughout the earth and you know you can feel it you if you've got any sensitivity to the spirit at all you can feel that god's about to do stuff right you can feel it in the next year two or two or three years you can feel that something incredible is about to break through right and you know i believe i'm i'm prophesying what a a a prophecy uh that, that i heard that i believe it will move from the left to the right i think god is going to do something incredible amongst those who have been the enemies of god i do i believe those that have rejected like we're in the us we're certainly in this battle of, of secularism over um you know christian biblical principles i believe not just uh not just amendments to, to but actual actual values of scripture and 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 what we have is we've got this tussle that's going on, and at some point God's going to say, you know what, I'm just going to take over here. I'm just going, I'd like to take over. You can feel that that's happening, and and part of the reason that it's 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 exciting is because I can also tell that God is is actually strategically aligning apostles and prophets. You can watch it happening, and some of the old school ones they'll they'll have to move on out like some of the ones that refuse to learn or refuse to, learn, you know, God, God can deal with them as graciously and lovingly as he can. Uh, they're they're going to move on out. But there is this kind of sense that God is going to break through. And, it's the, you know, for, for that to happen, I think we really need solid, mature, healthy apostles and prophets who at least have had a conversation about what it looks like to run together, who at least have had some training, had some input into their lives to say, "Hey, um, I think we have answers. I think we have answers." We we were at, we were at church today, and it was this whole notion of being, you know, being aliens. That instead of you know, instead of being a land or a nation or a city or a region or whatever where everybody thinks like us and values the same as us, we're actually aliens. we' we're, we're we're not familiar with the territory. And I even wonder how much of that is, you know, of course I, I get all it's, it's all about me at some point, but you know it it is this being a foreigner in a in a foreign land um, that that obviously we know a little bit about. And what does that look like? What does it look like? How do, you, how do you react? How do you influence? And all of this. And I think God is just positioning us in an amazing way for the for what's to come. So, um, I would love you to join us. I'd love you to if you if you listen. It's you. You don't even have to know. I mean, the reality is the whole apostolic and prophetic thing. If you're walking in under the grace, if you're yoked with an apostle. That's really important that you're trained to do that. It's really important that you're trained in those values and know how to do it. Because really what we need is we need apostolic politicians. We need apostolic people in every, we need apostolic business people, right? You know, we're even starting to do something with, you know, apostles and entrepreneurs here with a couple of sort of trial groups, because I think God, I think God is just going to, like explode in all these arenas and give people the greatest opportunity to wash feet in all, their, in all the spheres of influence they have, not to lead and climb mountains, but actually the greatest opportunities to tell kings their dreams, uh, to interpret the dreams of kings and help them become everything that God has intended them to be. So I'd love you to come, be with us for the next nine months. And uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to write them down here. So we're meeting in San Diego, thank you. We're meeting in San Diego, Uh, we start in October, registration finishes August 31st. Uh, We can put a link up somewhere. Uh, Registration closes August 31st because we're gonna do some stuff together over September, even um, even if it's just being online and doing some Zoom calls to get some basic stuff out of the way so that we can jump in and not just do a hey welcome to another skill and we're actually doing some different tracks we'll be together for a lot of the time but we're going to do some little breakout tracks the four apostles and and the apostolic and four prophets and prophetic and all that kind of stuff so that's what we're going to do we're going to be together most of the time but we are going to um, learn as we go um we're we're going to actually yeah there's the there's the job form right there (laughs) we're going to learn as we go and that means we might have to take little detours along the way so that if an issue comes up then we're going to do it but we're going to do it in five modules every other month here in san diego which means if you're in the midwest you're in um, the northern part of the us you get to be in glorious san diego uh, in december and february and that's amazing so all right well thank you for joining me if you've got any questions put them down and if you're watching this later just put the questions down and we'll we'll try and come to it and and respond I promise we won't make anything up if I don't know I'll always say I don't know but it's it's time folks it's absolutely time um I don't believe this is an expense uh having having been through this you know myself having having invested in my own development uh with time money energy all those things I don't uh believe this is actually an expense I believe it's an investment but yeah I, I think at the minute you know part of it is a mindset shift and taking it from this is an expense this is expensive this is actually a huge investment and um I don't know if there's a time where you can sow seeds into your own ministry and other people's ministry and God doesn't actually bring a harvest so anyway let me pray for you Father I just thank you for the hunger that there is, that the hunger that's actually brewing, that it's it's, it's it's this hunger, it's it's almost like you're brooding over the earth at the minute. That you're brooding over the earth as a mother hen would brood over her chickens, that your wings are there and that you're, you've got us actually snuggled in because you know that there is a time of release coming that there is a go word, there is an execute word uh, that is that is coming. And just like that time you were brooding over the, the, the deep and the darkness, right? The abyss as you were brooding over that Holy Spirit, it feels like that's exactly what you're doing at the minute. You're brooding and vibrating and energized by everything that's about to come because you know the greatness that's about to be released on this earth. lord i pray that you would bless us and keep us make your face shine upon us and give us peace in jesus name amen all right blessings